All righty, chaps. Praise God, we are live. All right, keep things under control. Keep things under control. Praise God, chaps. <clears throat> Rob, welcome, brother. Hope you've had a good, a good day. Let's get this. Let's get this last supper. Ah, eh, it is what it is today. So, I thought we'd have a grand. Um, I had a great. I have had a great uh, day. Met up with a friend who I've made from. Uh, from the online world, so so practicing as we preach, as it were. Um, it really is a, a wonderful uh, thing to meet up with guys who you've met online and, and actually meet in person. Um, it's very edifying, very encouraging. Um, you know, using using the online world to drive connection offline, as those savvy online marketers teach. <clears throat> and on the way home, you know, I was just really thinking about the love of your people. And the love of your place, of the um, the patriarch, the role of the patriarch, the role of the father. You know, patriarch, uh, the 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 patria, the the father rule. You know, it's a it's a really useful metric. Again, just the one we spoke about last week, but but the the sort of eight metrics of meaning, of meaning and service, if you want to call it that, meaning and contribution. Uh, level one is nihilism. Uh, level two is individualism, you know, the classic liberal, uh, the enlightenment. The enlightenment knocked us down from, from uh, patriarchy, which is level three, knocked us to, to, to individualism, you know, and, that, and that's when I rail on, on enlightenment. You know, what was, the, what was the fatal flaw in the founding fathers? They were, they were deeply Christian, deeply uh, patriarchal. However, the, the seed of of individualism of liberal the liberal enlightenment of of humanism secular humanism you know men have rights and this kind of thing you know to god you know men don't have rights men have duties that's the patriarchal view <clears throat> the uh the biblical view you know this thing of rights and uh you know, equality and all of this kind of stuff. It's, it's enlightenment garbage. Uh, and it, it feels nice. It sounds nice. We, we, we like it because there are men who are higher status than us. There are men who are more dutiful than us. There are men who are worthy of more honor than us. And so if you tell me that I have the same rights, you know, as some absolute Chad, as Giga Chad, I'd be like, yeah, that's great. Giga Chad, I have the same rights as you, you know, and you tell me that I'm equal to Giga Chad, you know, and this is where, where a lot of liberal Christians will jump in and be like, Scott, God loves everyone. And it's like, yeah, he loves everyone. You know, he loves us all, but he honors different men differently. <clears throat> uh, it says about Jesus that he grew in stature. He grew in, in honor, in status with man and God. His life lived increased his standing with god <clears throat> you know so god loves <clears throat> god loved freaking judas over here god loved judas the same as he loved who's this chap like maybe uh, maybe uh, andrew i don't know call it andrew god loved these two dudes exactly the same but one of them had more stature more status more honor than the other and so equality sounds wonderful to us because it's like, I have the same honor as Giga Chad. 
Yeah, you hear that, Giga Chad? You need to respect me, Giga Chad. <clears throat> and it's like, you're not worthy of respect. You're a, a little soy boy who, who, you know, that's the gamma male. The gamma male comes into a hierarchy and is the secret king. You know, I deserve the same amount of respect as the king of the hierarchy, yet I, I won't do the same duties. I won't pay the same price. I won't walk the same walk as the king to get what he, he gets. Ethereal, welcome, brother. Ethereal, did God love Ishao? Or as we say here in America, Esau. Not sure he loves everyone. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's this, I think there's this, you know, if we really want to get liberal on all this, there is there is a a corner of scripture that you could be like, you know, God is love and, you know, uh, poor Christ did not come to condemn Esau. Esau's actions were contemptible, uh, but Christ, you know, Christ still uh, died for him, you know, because it says Christ died before the foundation of the earth. So before Esau ever was such a contemptible wretch, uh, Christ died for him. And so, <clears throat> and it was for the love set before him, the joy set before him that he would die for us uh, when we were still wretches, when we were still Esau's and, you know, all of that. <clears throat> uh, but, but it's honor that is the difference. And this freaks liberals out. This freaks liberal Christians out or enlightenment Christians out. Uh, me being a chief of enlightenment Christians. I used to be a big time libertarian, big time uh, liberal equality, egalitarian Christian. And it's like, how dare you say that some worthy of honor more than other men? Afro NRX, welcome brother. Considering what God did for Esau, I'd argue it's not literal hate, rather disfavor. Yeah. And that's it. You know, I, I, I love these Old Testament templates you know because we're, we're dealing with a very different covenant but at the same time uh very applicable to how you know god does not change so covenants change but it's the same god making those covenants so he's giving you a a window into how he thinks and still thinks except that he's treating us differently uh due to a different covenant a different high priest <clears throat> a different uh promise a different constitution, if you will. Yeah, bloody constitution. <laughs> you know, you look at, at Sodom and Gomorrah, you look at, at Saul and, and David, you know, how God treats Jonathan is not fair. Um, you know, and that's, and that's our card. Those are the, you know, we are to live out the cards dealt to us uh, with, without grumbling but with generosity and with faith. And that's what I say about Jonathan. Jonathan is perhaps the most Christ-like man in all the Bible. He is from the get-go uh, doomed. You know, he is born the son of a cursed king. And so no matter how moral, no matter how amazing, no matter how brave and courageous, uh, he will not inherit the kingdom. He will not inherit the, the throne. Yet he continues to be the most moral man to to be a brave and fearless and courageous and skillful going to be one of the greatest um, of all men uh, to have ever lived simply because he walked out his bad cards uh, with a great identity, a great software, a great uh, <clears throat> honor for the Lord. Jake Stein, welcome brother. So 
Let me get back to all of this. Where are we? You guys are rabbit holing me, man. Come on, just freaking rabbits everywhere here. So, ah, it's wonderful. <clears throat> Herbs from her own garden, let me tell you. Patriarchy 101, the father rule, father love. So, we get to we get to this uh we get to this thought, you know. Okay, we're to love our people and we're to love our place. You know, a lot of guys we get that. Intuitively we get it. We're like, yeah, I'm gonna love my people, I'm gonna love my place. Yes, yeah. This you know, this is feels good, feels right, uh, gives me meaning, gives me purpose. Oh yeah, that's where I was going with this. So so nihilism, uh then individualism, which is this big enlightenment lie. And now uh then patriarchy, right? Patriarchy, uh localism, and tribalism. Patriarchy, localism, and tribalism are our bread and butter. It's where God designed us uh, to operate, you know, to be patriarchs, to be local, uh, local legends, uh, to be tribal uh, chieftains, to be to be men who, who patriarchy, we're to grow our family. We are to grow our kin. We are to, um, baby, your phone. Um, we're to uh, kind of really go hard at this thing of loving your family and like, how do you grow your cousins? How do you grow your your sons, your grandsons? All of that's that kind of thing. Of I want a I want peace and I want prosperity. Um, for my children and my children's children. It says a righteous man lays an inheritance or leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Um, you know, and and children are a, an arrow in the hands of a warrior, which means we should be vindictive, vindictive patriarchs. You know, so if there are some clowns that are pissing you off, because let me tell you, as a king that Jesus Christ is king of, we should be pissed off with some clowns and we want to go and, and, and do damage. We want to go and destroy clowns in institutional high places. And we should be vindictive in our will. You know, we should be um, training our children up as arrows, as weapons uh, to go multi-generational. You know, it's like, it's such an amazing thing when you're a patriarch, you're seeing a multi-generational, your family, you know, over this area and land. Land becomes, land owns your family once it goes multi-generational. <clears throat> and um, we get to this place of like, okay, I am a patriarch. You know, even for us, like, we, you know, we don't have kids yet, we're praying for kids. But it's like to have this mindset of like, everything in my life is to go multi-generational. Everything I own, everything I work at, uh, everything I'm networking around. And it's like everything here has to go multi-generational. And then local, local, local area, right? The local is a huge part of our life that we've been disconnected from. You know, this thing of local economy, of loving our neighbors literally. You know, if your neighbor has a coffee shop and there's a Starbucks, which is globalism, do I go and spend my money with the global clowns or do I go and love my neighbor by buying maybe a 20% more expensive item, but it's with my neighbor, right? Who I know and whose family I know and we're growing together and maybe our family is going to intermarry and maybe this is going to become part of my patriarchy, you know? <clears throat> we can love our place rather than, uh, you know, our screw, yes, let me tell you about flipping Jack. His bloody coffee shop, the drinks are 50 cents more expensive than bloody Starbucks. Now, screw that guy, man. He's a fraud. I'm going to Starbucks. And it's like, yeah, you're a bloody bastard who's destroying your community. You're destroying your place. You're destroying your local place. And so that's the local area. And then tribe, you know, our diaspora, our people, uh, you know, that we're meeting online, that we're uh, 
are being shown to us online, you know, the people that we are like, oh, these, this is my people. This is my people. And and it's like, okay, there could be, you know, 7,000 of us. It's like, these are my people. This is my tribe, my greater tribe. And, you know, we have to have that diaspora mindset, you know, of how can I start connecting with my tribe? You know, they might not be here in my local area. They might not be family, uh, but, but tribe wise, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to have tribal traditions. We're going to have tribal festivals. We're going to have tribal um, uh, worship together. You know, let's worship the Lord together or let's uh, build institutions together, tribal projects, right? We're going to have um, eventually tribal intermarriage, right? So so this will become uh, patriarchal of like when, you know, your children marry their children. It's like the, you're building a new tribe. You know, and a lot of guys are like, oh, Scott, you know, we've been so deracinated. We, you know, all we can identify now is as white. And it's like, you know, who is your people? And who, you know, that's a, it's a great question. Like, who are our people? You know, is every Anglo my people? And it's like, no, you know, we have to scale back down to tribe again, you know, and, and it starts with who are my people who share my values, who share my faith, who share uh, an adjacency to me. Um, and if we intermarry, we're becoming tribal. You know, that's this thing of like, if we do business together, if we buy, pro- we don't have to buy property together, you can, but it's like, if we, if we settle a local area together, you have to start thinking tribally uh, from, from that kind of way. Tutamango, welcome brother. Uh, Ethereal, in Australia, we basically stopped Starbucks from coming in. Based, these bloody Australians, let me tell you, not only they are they ahead in the daytime with their bloody being in the East and all that, but they're ahead of the game on bloody gatekeeping globals uh tutamanga hubs and nodes yeah exactly man you you got to think of it that way as well you know so praise god i wanted to to hit on that with david you know so so anyway so we get to this place right we want to focus heavy heavily on patriarchy on localism and on tribalism and we're like yeah this feels good i'm gonna this place you know we're like oh crap i just drove past a trailer park or you know i just went to my local auction and there's just or you go to a walmart God forbid. And there's like fat people in pajamas riding, uh, what do you call those things? Wheelchairs, motorized wheelchair scooters. <clears throat> and you're like, are these my people? Like, are these my people? You know, and then you drive through your town and it's just strip mall after strip mall, commercial squalor after commercial squalor, big box McMansion development after big, big McMansion development. And you're like, is this the place that I'm supposed to love? It's not, it's not very beautiful. And these people are, are not very lovely. Some people have the option, you know. You can move. You can move to a place that is more lovely. You can move to a people that are more lovely. And that's most of our moving. You know, most of our moving in life has been, oh, this place is more beautiful. This place is, has nicer people. Or like, you know, there's no shame in that. That's fine. But we have to be aware of what's going on. <clears throat> and and so, so with David, you know, he's kicked out of the palace where all the beautiful people are and all the beautiful places. And he's kicked out into the desert and he has to go to the desert, which is a, a desecrated place. It's an unlovely place. And all these outcasts come and join him. 400 outcasts, which are an un, unlovable, just wretched people. And it's like, well, you know, these are my guys and this is my place. I am a king. And this is where king energy, patriarch energy comes in of God, I, I'm going to love these people not because they're lovely. I'm going to love this place, not because it's lovely, but because I am love. Because I am, I am powerful as a king to affect change. So David, he's like, I am your captain now. 
and he becomes a father. He becomes a patriarch. He becomes a king of these people. And this is what the libertarian freaking psyop <clears throat> does to us. It removes us from kingship. It says to us, oh, Scott, how dare you tell these degenerates how to live? How dare you tell these poor people how to live? That's bloody statism. Matt. That's authoritarianism, you bastard. And then the liberals want to keep these people poor and degenerate and use them as a tool. You know, keep them as a tool against the Christian family, as a tool against societal order, uh, as a vote, a vote harvesting tool, as a, 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 a bureaucratic jobs tool. You know, because it's like if my job is to give uh, help to the poor, supposed one, you know, the liberals have supposed love for people as their, their motivation. And the libertarian has supposed uh, love of ideals, you know, of like people don't matter. Place doesn't matter. It's ideas that matter. You know, it's ideals that matter. It's the constitution and the free market that matters. And it's like, you don't, you don't love unlovely people. You want to outsource them. <clears throat> you want to pay for them to bugger off. And you want to replace them with nicer, more compliant people who will come and work your businesses and rent out your properties. <clears throat> or you want to eradicate them. You know, a lot of libertarians who, who aren't Christians are all for uh, just eradicating the poor. You know, like we, we sterilize them all um, or abortion or, uh, you know, whatever it is. And it's like there comes a time where you have to see as a patriarch and as a Christian and as a nationalist. And you have to say, these are my people. These fat, drugged up, sugar zombied, soy zombied, wheelchair riding, pajama wearing, trailer trash living people are for whatever reason in my local area. And they are my people. <clears throat> what do we do with that? What do we do with that? And at first it's despair. You know, I despaired of it. Drongo, welcome brother. You know, it was a hard thing for me. I was like, God, like, because you're thinking as a libertarian, you're like, I can't do anything. And it's like, no, I can do a lot of things. And so this is where I really wanted to, to hit on authority and institutions. NPCs are a real thing, non-player characters, right? Normies. They're called normies because they follow the norms of whatever institution is most powerful in their life. If a school, if you're in the school system, and the school system says, this is what we do and celebrate, and this is what we punish and, and execute. That's what they do. And if they're, in a, if they're in a government bureaucracy job, if they're in a corporate HR job, if they said that this is what we believe, the normies do it. They, they follow the cultural norms. What is culture but an institution executing and celebrating the norms? And so as libertarian psyop, which we all take of like, well, we've got to give up the institutions. And if we do happen to have an institution, you know, if we do happen to lead a church, if we do happen to be a father of, of children, if we do happen to be a school teacher, if we do happen to be a business owner, if we do happen to be a government bureaucrat or, or official, if we do happen to be a media influencer, we're like, oh, I can't possibly wield this authority for good. That would be authoritarian. That would be statist. That would be an aggression. And it's like, you damn right. And God wants you to do it. You know, if you have an institution, if you have institutional power, if you don't do it, it's a vacuum that a clown will gladly take up. 
You know, the clowns don't be like, oh, you know, guys, separation of church and state, you know, we can't prescribe morality. And it's like, no, that's what a bloody government is. You prescribe morality. You prescribe morality and you you back it with the sword. You know, that's what a school is. You are literally imprinting morality on children. That's what media is. You're literally normalizing behavior. Celebrity culture is the normalization of behavior, of norms to normies. And so ministry, what is ministry? What is church? It's discipleship of people into a way of life that is God-ordained. And so this is the only way out for the poor and the degenerate is for fathers, for father rule, for people. See, this is the thing. It's not for, it's not for, it's not for punishment, right? We don't punish the poor. We don't punish them into wholesomeness and moral. There is certain, there's punishment for degeneracy, but you don't punish them for who they are. You don't abuse them and, 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 uh, and, you know, it's the father's love. You have to, you have to come at it from love of, I love these people. They're not lovely, but I love them because I'm a father, because I'm a king. And so I will make them lovely. You know, as <clears throat> this whole thing of like, you know, again, a, a blind squirrel always will find a nut here and there. Jordan Peterson, this whole thing of like, you need to make your children enjoyable, likable. You know, because if you don't make them enjoyable, you're not going to like them. And if you don't like your children, you're in for a world of hurt, you know, and and it's a truism. I can see that, you know, of like people whose children are all over the place. It's like, you don't, you don't like your children and you failed your authority. You know, Proverbs says, uh, uh, teach a child the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is the same with our institutions. You know, the poor the poor are looking for help. The poor are, here's what, here's a descript, uh, definition of poor, which has stuck with me for a long time from, from the lady who told it to me. The poor is someone who cannot help themselves. You know, we were all poor of spirit. We couldn't save ourselves. So Christ saved us. But once he saved us, we were poor no longer. And we were elevated to sonship, to kingship. And, and we are now powerful. So we don't remain victims. We were saved from our victimhood. We were saved from our poverty of spirit. We were saved from our wretchedness. It's the same for people who are physically poor. They cannot help themselves. You know, <clears throat> someone who is poor, they don't know how to get out. They were born into it or they, they, they fell into it, whatever. It's like, you don't know how to get out. People who are, are unhealthy, it's like, they don't know how to get out. You know, it's like, of course they do, Scott, you bloody work hard. Uh, you bloody you go set your nose to the grindstone and you work. And it's like, the poor cannot help themselves. They have to be coached. They have to be saved. They have to be fathered into wholesomeness, into health, into peace and prosperity. And this is a very hard pill to swallow for us libertarian boys who were raised libertarian. Because how dare someone... You know, Benjamin Franklin has a famous, I think it's Benjamin Franklin. He's like, the poor must not be made comfortable in their poverty. They must be driven from their poverty. They must be driven out. And that's the father, the father role. But, but to do it with love, we are going to drive you out of poverty. We're going to drive you out of degeneracy. <clears throat> and so this thing of, of institutional rule what is patriarchy but a family, right? So family is an institution. 
you know, you are to rule your children into healthy, mature young men and women who can now, you know, you've elevated them out of childhood, out of immaturity, out of helplessness into uh, maturity and authority and responsibility. And they can now go and replicate. <clears throat> it's the same with church. It's the same with, with schools, with, with academia, with, with media. It's the same with uh, corporate HR and training and discipleship. If you run a business, like you are discipling your people who work for you. You're training them into a certain, you know, a, a, a job has an incredible power over people. You know, someone will go get a job for 10 bucks an hour. And if they tell you, when someone comes in, you say, good morning, sir. How are you, sir? Uh, here's what we do, sir. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure. They they prescribed, and you, here's how you dress. You tuck your shirt in, you shave, you get a haircut. A job can prescribe how you act. It can prescribe your identity for eight to 12 hours a day. That's power. And then it can, it can punish you. It can fire you for not acting that way. And then bureaucracy, you know, uh, government, government institutions, you know, the, the sheriff, the policeman, uh, you know, the, the, the city council, you know, you can, you can ban things from people's lives. You can punish things that people do. You can reward things that people do. You know, we've seen it with the whole, you know, face diaper thing of like, you can literally punish a people and shame a people and uh, the media can hysteria, hysteria, terrorize a people into acting crazy ways. You know, you can do that with morality. You can do that uh, with wisdom, you can you can literally frame people into acting morally, into acting with wisdom, into living into God's ways. You can punish and reward people into living into God's ways. You know, this is where guys get into oh theocracy and theonomy and blah blah. It's like yes, yes. You know, if you're a Christian, you believe the Bible is God's ways for life. It's wisdom for life, and so we should institutionally um, father people into God's ways. Rob, we are all longing for a place that may never have existed. But if we truly want it, we will have to build it. It cannot be purchased. It must be built. And that's it, man. That's the patriarch energy, the king energy. It's up to us to love the place. And then when you love the place, the place becomes lovely. A desecrated place becomes lovely again because there's an Adam stewarding a garden again. You know, and, and, and outcasts become mighty men when a David leads people into projects, leads people into morality, leads people uh, into institutional, normalizes these normies. Majority of people are normies, chaps. They are waiting. We are even normies in certain ways. You know, there are people who influence us. We are, we are all of us normies to some, some other gigachad somewhere, you know. And in a way, we are gigachads to other normies. You know, we influence and are influenced in our lifestyles. <clears throat> Ethereal, we planted a church in a housing commission area and have seen meth addicts come to know Jesus and get clean. It's possible, but take sweat and toil to help these people. Yeah, exactly, man. Praise God. That's a wonderful testimony. And that's it, man. That's the, the true role of, of, of you guys in the ministry domain. You know, and it takes all of us in every domain because that's it, man. True mission work. It's not only the ministry domain. You know, if you're if you're in a job and you employ a guy who is poor or a degenerate, you literally have, man. I some of the best discipleship I've ever had is is working for older guys who've discipled me. You know, they're like, hey man, like if you want to keep working for me, we have to change a few things in your character. And it's like, wow, okay. 
you know, and you become more brave and you become more skillful and you become more uh, strong. And it's like, it's an amazing thing to work for a godly man. And then same way with, um, <clears throat> with coaches, uh, with, with teachers, with uh, academics, with, with social media influencers, like you are at all times being discipled by amazingly God, godly men. And you can have, you know, just crazy influence on people. And it's the same way with, with, with government, you know, guys who bear the sword or bear authority and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you can have incredible, incredible, uh, change on people's lives who, who were once degenerate and once poor and are now, uh, saved out of that place and are able to now go and, and replicate wholesomeness. Matt, welcome brother. Jake, not trying to be a downer, but the big problem with building a new tribe is our people are spread too far apart. There's a, there's a certain extent that a diaspora, the role of place in tribe, there's a certain extent that a diaspora has to be smaller than its, than its homeland. You know, so, so for instance, you take the Irish uh, in Ireland, there's a, there's a defined homeland, and then there's a huge diaspora around the world. The Greeks in Greece, and then there's a huge diaspora around the world. The Jews in Israel, and then there's a huge diaspora around the world. There has to be a homeland for a diaspora to, to connect to. And right now, you know, the problem, the problem we, we have in the Anglosphere, the Anglosphere is all diaspora and no homeland. And so that is something we, we, we have to address. And here's the optimistic side about it, is I don't think it has to be as big as we all think it, it has to be. I think, you know, this whole thing of, of like we said there earlier, uh, Tutamanga hubs and nodes, you know, I literally think it's, it's okay to have, you know, patriarchs come together, you know, local areas of 120, you know, 120, um, you know, going through that, that whole numbers thing of like 12, 40, 120, 7,000, you know, yeah, it would be nice to have a place of 7,000 people in a geographic area. You know, the Amish, the Amish are kings at geographic tribalism. The, the Mormons, geographic tribalism, they have a homeland and then there's a diaspora. I suppose Pennsylvania would be, would be the, the Amish homeland, Amish HQ. <clears throat> and so you, you're right, man. You know, there needs to, there needs to, at some point, uh, be a homeland, be a, an HQ that we can all, uh, anchor to so that the diaspora has, you know, the diaspora is not just floating without a homeland. I agree with you completely there. Um, yeah, Jake Stein, always thinking about possible solutions. Yeah. But I think that's it. You know, it's, it's getting the patriarchal and the local sorted first and tribe will naturally come from that. You know, it's first things first. We, we don't, you know, we try to all go to straight to nation you know, with, with Donald in 2016, you know, this thing of like, okay, we're a nation again, um, you know, and, and the nation is too fractured and, and the institutions are gone. So it's like, okay, we start from patriarchy. We start from strong families. We start, we start in our domains, taking institutional, uh, building institutions, taking over institutions, uh, gaining strength and mastery and, and uh, bravery uh, in our institutions and wielding institutional authority. You know, our boog, is not against flesh and blood. It's it's against clowns in institutional high places. And from there, you know, the local areas, local economy, local community. And from that place will emerge tribalism, will emerge a new tribe, you know, and, and we're building that, chaps. You know, we're, we're getting there. It's, it's just, it's a long game, you know, and we've got to have the fortitude, the resolve 
to not just be like, okay, it was a fun year, chaps. Like, uh, we're a bit tired now. We're just going to go back to our life and uh, back to individualism and back to night. The, the encouraging thing, you know, we think tribe has to be, you know, hundreds of, we think, you know, this is the encouraging thing. We think uh, tribe has to be hundreds of thousands of people. But I think tribe, you know, can be 120 people. It can be 120 families, 120 patriarchs in a local area. And that's very doable. You know, that's very achievable. Um, I think uh, Benjamin is doing it's like they literally have a tribe. You know, they've got a they've got an HQ, they've got a homeland. Um, there's more than 120 families, and it's like, man, good on them. You know, I'd, I'm I'm very much you know interested in what they do because like they're a very adjacent tribe. They're ahead of us on the game of like, man, like that is some that is some amazing testimony for tribe building. <clears throat> Matt, what are the right indications for when to stick with and work harder at discipling a city or town? And for when are we to wipe its dust from our feet? It's a good question, bro. You know, I felt that way with uh, when we were down in Kentucky. You know, it's just like almost every door was closed. You know, there was no grace. The only grace I had was coaching rugby, you know. Uh, that was just a, a, an amazing grace laying down there. But like church life was hard. Friends, friendships were hard. Economy was hard. Uh, community was hard. It wasn't my people. You know, I felt it. I felt it in my gut like this. As much as I tried to love the place, as much as I tried to uh, just just force it, you know, just just grind it. It's like, this isn't it. Like, this isn't my people. It isn't my place. And so, um, you know, we, we went back to South Africa to visit my, my family for a bit. And it's like, man, I just felt like this is my people. This is my place again. And so my wife and I both felt it of like, okay, when we go back to America, we're going back to to your people and your place. And, and, you know, we got back here and it's like, yeah, we love these people. We love this place. It, it feels right. It feels right. What is this, Africa? Yeah. Fly on my lip. Then you guys bloody better know this is African boy stuff here. So I, I think the question for you there, uh, Matt, to ask is like, is this my people? You know? And, and man, we wanted it, eh? We wanted that Kentucky little town we were in to be our people. But it's it's very much, you know, that Scotch-Irish uh, culture was very, like, it just didn't sit. Or, or we didn't, you know, our Anglo-Germanic uh, new thing that my wife and I are, are you know, we, we just didn't crack it. You know, we just didn't sit well in that that culture. And we come back up here to to a Germanic uh, kind of <clears throat> Protestant vibe, and it's like, yeah, feels good, you know, feels good, and and a lot of things flow, you know. It's very interesting that it's a it's one of the the key questions we're all asking, like, is this my people? Is this my place? And it's okay to investigate. It's okay to ask God, you know. Uh, Ethereal, we can't turn our tribe into a nation without starting somewhere. Consider the Puritans; they were limited to what they could fit on ships. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, that, that was exactly it. You know, 120. 120 going to a new place. Patriarchs, very, man, the patriarchs are a wonderful, the patriarchs, the Puritans are a wonderful example of patriarchal uh, tribe building. You know, they they were escaping uh, clown world uh, for, you know, for what we want. You know, I've like, God, we just want a place of peace and prosperity for our, our people, for our way of life. And that's a great example. Uh, ethereal, amazing example, man of like, uh, you know, 120, 120 families, you know, it's amazing. 
<clears throat> yeah, good stuff, man. And I think that's it, man. Just to know, like, you're not the only guy asking that question. You know, that's it's like the being the central question of my life. Like, God, you know, where are we? You know, where do, where are we going to find belonging? You know, and you know, to be somewhere long. Is this just me being a pansy soy boy? Do I, do I need to be in this place for a long time and not care if I ever make it, but my children will, you know? And it's like, no, like I felt it, you know, you, you feel, you can feel, okay, this is my people. Um, and again, that could be, that could be three other families, you know, that, you know, a lot could change if it was just like, okay, <clears throat> there's a general feel, there's a general culture of an area, but there's also a specific local community. There's specific local, you know, like, Yes, these are my these are three families that I love. These are these are ride or die guys that we're gonna build patriarchal ties with, that we're gonna build local uh Christendom with. You know, and then you can play the long game. You know, you can play the generational long game and and sit tight and and build something. You know, and, and hope you know, if you're if you're a kind of a, a an organizer type guy, if you're kind of an attractor type guy, you know, to attract other guys to come and live with you and that kind of stuff, that's that's a, a wonderful way to do it as well. So praise God. So that, that's a great thing, you know, because a lot of guys like, man, like, you know, do I move somewhere else because of these, you know, degenerate and poor people or do I stay in and, you know, try and, and make a go of it? And so what I would ask as well is like, what is my authority? What is my domain that I can be a father to these people in? You know, so my domain is very obviously media, you know, uh, coaching, um, writing, uh, you know, speaking, that kind of thing other guys, their domain might be planting a church. It might be, you know, doing mission work. It might be government work. I'm going to bloody become sheriff and clean this place up. It's like, man, if we could have more Christian men who are running for local sheriff and, and literally cleaning stuff, the crap up uh, as clean. This is a new sheriff in town, you know, Christian policemen, Christian bureaucrats, Christian town council, Christian education board, Christian infrastructure uh, officials. You know, you can, man, imagine, you know, a whole bunch of Christian dudes were on the town council. And it's like, we're going to ban McDonald's. We're going to ban Starbucks. We're going to ban Walmart from our county. It's like based, like that is literally changing lives. You know, we're going to ban the dollar store. We're going to ban, um, you know, all these stupid ass building restrictions that make people end up, you know, buying freaking trailers and, and becoming trailer trash. Like, Let's have some pride and let's build beautiful, like there's yet, you know, apart from New England, like there's yet to be a beautiful town in America, like beautiful, you know, brick or log cabin or stone or whatever natural building materials are in your local area. We are yet to build beautiful European style towns because our zoning laws don't allow for it. That's an, in, that's a institutional discipleship matter. That's an institutional authority issue and it can be changed. You know, we're going to ban, we're going to ban seed oils. We're going to ban corn syrup. We're going to ban soy. We're going to, you know, and you can go right up, you know, you can go right up the scales there, you know, local to tribal to all of that kind of stuff. You know, and I think that's going to be the tribal, the tribal thing for us. You know, what is a tribe, but a, a different way of life over a geographic area. And that's, what's going to set us apart as a tribe is, is how we live differently, you know, to the people around us. And people are going to be attracted to that. People are going to be like, why do you live differently? What is your thing? And, and you can be a patriarch and disciple them. You know, I, I will be your captain now. You know, there, there's a, a desire for discipleship. You know, a lot of churches, people go to church 
wanting to be discipled out of their poverty and violence and degeneracy. You know, people get fed up with life and they're like, fine, I'll go to church. And, you know, to a certain extent, yes, the preaching of the word is good. But more than that, they need a godly man to take them under their wing uh, in their domain and disciple them in their domain. You know, disciple them out of their temporal hell. You know, if their temporal hell is health, there's not a lot of pastors teaching about how you should avoid soy and you should hit the weight rack. And we're all going to, as a, you know, we have Bible study on a Tuesday night. We have prayer meeting on a Thursday night and we have bloody weight room meeting uh, every morning, Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. down at the gym. I'll see you boys there. Like that would be based, you know, if the whole church is going to gym or, or working out. And it's like, you know, a lot of people would be like, Scott, that's bloody, that's, you know, what's the thing? Like Gnosticism of like the body is just going to burn. And it's like, yeah, well, you're burning right now in a temporal hell. Like I don't want your life. <clears throat> Ethereal, the trick is that the Amish have great communities, but no outreach. Finding the best balance is the key. Yeah, so so that's, you know, it's kind of the strength of the Amish is that they are so insular, that they are so uh, in-group uh, heavy, you know, fundamentalist, if you want to call it that. Uh, and I, I do believe that we need to kind of, we need to step that way. We are so missional. We are so evangelistic that we have no in-group. We have no base camp uh, to bring people back to, you know? So many people, we get them saved. And oh, we just love you, brother. And and I'm not saying you. I'm I'm saying this is me. I'm 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 from my my own life and what what I've experienced and stuff, you know. And and some great testimonies there of of getting guys and meth out of it and stuff. That's wonderful. But especially just your middle class people with no outward degeneracy, with no outward poverty and violence. You know, we're just like oh, we love you, brother. Come sit in our church. And there's no fundamental uniqueness. There's no peculiar. We are to be a peculiar people. So I'm I'm a hundred percent on the Amish, with the caveats that yes we should allow there should be a way for people to join outsiders to join, there should be a way for people to uh, be uh, reached outreached and and brought in. But it's like they are so in group heavy that you can come in, and it's like <clears throat> it's a whole new world. There is no temptation from the outside. There is no pull from the outside. It's like you cut your old life off and you become a new creation. And a lot of churches lack that. A lot of churches are nightclubs and uh, strip malls. And they're just like, uh, you know, you don't have to change your life. Just tell Jesus you love him and uh, give me five bucks and watch this drive. <clears throat> uh, Ethereal, my ministry interns have to work out with me every morning at 5 a.m. Based. So it's this whole thing, you know, of, of we have to get back. So the whole point of, of the stream today, chaps, what I really want to hit on is losing the libertarian psyop and the liberal enlightenment uh, idealism and of, you know, not, you know, they've psyoped us to not use authority, to not be a father and have father rule. Uh, but to love your people is to drive them out of poverty, to drive them out of degeneracy, to drive them out of violence. And the way we do that is through institutional authority, you know. So what is your domain? You know, if you're in ministry, use your domain to drive, to father with love people into wholesomeness. You know, if you're in, in media, influence to coach people into wholesomeness. If you're in business, use your economic power to, you know, you've literally got the, you know, man, that's what's so powerful about HR. People are petrified of losing their jobs. And so they will jump. How high? I'll jump, you know. 
bloody eat these gay frogs and and celebrate it. And it's like, okay, I'll do it. Just don't fire me. It's incredible power. And so that's power for good. You can do it, you can do it for good, you know. And again, with bureaucracy and 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 government domain, whatever your domain is, you've got to use your, you've got to number one, increase your status. You've got to become a man of mastery, of bravery, of strength, so that you have high status amongst those around you. You know, a lot of guys like Scott, that's pride and that's you know terrible. Why would God ever want you to be high status or wealthy or powerful? or own a lot of land. And it's like, because how much better would the world be if a sincere Christian man like yourself could wield land and wealth and power? You know, instead we let the bloody clowns. It's like, oh, please, I don't want, I don't want to besmirch my witness by being a government official. You be a government official. You know, I don't want to besmirch my witness by, you know, telling people what to do. So the freaking clowns tell people what to do. They tell them what to do at every opportunity they get. You've got freaking, you've got freaking <clears throat> advertisements that come on when you're watching YouTube by a soap company telling people that they should cut off their genitals, you know, or you you get advertisements from a what is the most ran a, a logistics company, a middleman logistics market company, you know, telling people that women, that black gender queer women, uh, should be, you know what you know it's like they they're they're moralizing they're normalizing behavior <clears throat> to you there's incredible you know they take every opportunity you know if some celebrity event so what what is the point of a celebrity you know we all just used to think oh celebrity is beautiful women and uh and handsome men and nice clothes and it's just an opportunity to have glitzy clothes it's like no it's an opportunity to normalize behavior what they're doing is they're setting up high status people you know these are people who could be just like you and me, but they are gate. They are, they are, uh, they are controllable. You know, so they they are controlled. They've done things to to sear their conscience to the point where they are one hundred percent controllable by the institutions. So they are trustworthy. So now they can be elevated and promoted. You know, <clears throat> like sure, Brad Pitt is handsome. I've seen more handsome men than Brad Pitt. You know, like Angelina Jolie. Are you kidding me? Like I've seen prettier girls than her. But it's like you get to this point where it's like, okay, that's the handsomest man in the world. That's the prettiest girl in the world. And now they moralize, right? So what they do is now they 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 normalize behaviors, right? So so they've elevated these people and told you that these are the most beautiful people and wonderful people. So what do they then do, right? They start, they divorce them. They they then, uh, you know, she's on every freaking lip, uh, lip stuff and boob stuff and whatever. And, uh, you know, they adopting... Uh, all the different diversity things, and then they're dressing, cross-dressing their children, and then you know he's just you know openly debaucherous and and everything like that. And it's like they are normalizing behavior. Like if that's what the cream of society does, then we should do that, you know. And it it goes the same way with like news anchors, right? Why do you think every second news anchor is a homosexual? It's like they're normalizing something. Um, and then it's the same with like you know, sitcoms and things like that of like normalizing the boss babe, normalizing the dunce patriarch. See what they've done to the patriarch? He's now a dunce. He's now an imbecile who the wife is constantly having to, you know, oh, she's just, you know, she has to deal with the kids. She has to deal with work and she has to basically mother this dunce who, you know, that's what patriarchy is. It's a bunch of imbeciles. It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. We have to take every opportunity. You know, you go to liberal churches they take every opportunity from the platform, you know, to shame people and 
uh, moralize and um, posture and virtue signal, you know, and then you go to a conservative church and like, well, we're not going to talk about this or we're not going to, we're not going to lower ourselves. It's like, no, moralize, moralize. You are to use your bully pulpit. Jake, I'm just saying, if we live near each other, we could start a rugby team. I'm a pretty good wing. My playing days are behind me, fine, sir. <laughs> I, uh, the glory days, the glory days are now uh, coaching rather than playing. I got bashed up once too many. Ethereal. But Brian Stelter isn't gay. <laughs> He's not? No way. Rob, most peers want you to do well, but never better than them and not without them. Our Lord is our father. A father wants his children to prosper and live to their full potential. Yeah, you know, as a father wants his children to surpass him, a father wants his children to outdo him. You know, it's that whole thing of like, my ceiling is their floor. Uh, You know, the glory of fathers is their children, you know? And um, it's, that's the, the mindset we have to have, you know, Rob disregard haters. They want you to stay rich and not to outpace them as a patriarch. Yeah. And, and it's the sunken cost. It's the sunken cost thing, you know, that's kind of like why I've deleted Facebook and, and, you know, I'm, it's very hard, but like, I don't interact with a lot of people from, from my past, you know, because I am way too far outside the acceptable Overton window of what is an acceptable person. So they either have to moralize to me or they have to disavow me, you know, so I make them uncomfortable. Uh, or they, uh, you know, try and, oh, Scott, you are such a nice guy, you know, but you should be ashamed of yourself and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, it's exactly that. Like, just disregard the haters. But but it's, here's the reason why. They're either normies to the point where they, they in order to keep good standing in their, you know, it's that whole uh, Soviet uh, thing of why everyone was an informant on everyone, you know, because if you don't denounce the, the dissident and he gets... Uh, take they're petrified, you know? <clears throat> and so w- when you deal with normies from your old life, like they're petrified, like they have to denounce you or they have to moralize to you uh, or they, you know, they try and uh, just, you know, avoid, you know, your your life. And they're like, uh, you know, let's talk about the old days. Listen, it's like, I I know I'm dangerous to a lot of people because they want to stay in good graces in their institutions. And so, uh, you know, you just you don't you don't want to be around uh, people who have a sunken cost into institutions that that I you know disagree with, and so rather than make them uncomfortable and make a choice, I, I'd just rather remove myself from their lives. But it's very much that you know people have a sunken cost. You know that's why so many liberals are are so bitter, and they only get more and more bitter because their utopia, their their stated preference, never comes to fruition, and they get more and more angry because they've sunken their life into lies. They've sunk in their life into falsehoods and they have nothing to show for it. And so instead of repenting, uh, they double down because, well, I've wasted my whole life. You know, I've wasted everything there. And so you'd rather pull others down who do repent or who do find a way out. You know, Matt, top-down culture by elites works. Simple as. Simple as. That's it, you know. And we're building grassroots. That's good. It's good to build grassroots upwards. But let me tell you, chaps, if you have the opportunity to to top down wield the sword, bloody do it. Become an elite. That's this is our whole thing, chaps. We are kings and patriarchs, and we need to we need to live with this energy, you know. 
So yeah, good, good chat today, chaps. I think those, the, the whole, just to really hit on this, our people are not lovely. Our places are desecrated. And so it is our job to, to elevate ourselves to the patriarch, to elevate ourselves to fatherhood over those people over that place, to overshadow those people, to overshadow those that place. And institutionally, top down, become the elites that shape the normies, that shape the place, that shape the, the you know, but we use authority rightly with a father's love, with a father's heart. <clears throat> and we drive people out of degeneracy. We drive people out of poverty. We drive people out of violence. You know, that's a ministry. The ministry of the sword is to set up a place that is peaceful and prosperous. You know, is that not a ministry? You know, you look at, you look at South Africa, you know, those, those rough men who are setting up roadblocks and community watch and farm watch and all that stuff, they're keeping people safe. And everyone wants to go live with those people because they're bearing the sword as a father. Like, no, I love my, I love my community. I love my people. I love my place. You're not coming here to loot and burn and riot and murder and steal. And that's the role of a patriarch, you know, in, in, in the rest of the Anglosphere, you know, you might not have yet, you might not have, you know, rioting, rioting people of different tribes trying to come and destroy your stuff, but you have a different riot. You have a different destruction of your tribe, you know, through soy and, and, uh, corn syrup and estrogen and pharmaceuticals and drugs and opioids and, uh, crap television and academia and mind viruses they're, you know, they're coming in rioting and destroying your crap. They're destroying your people through, through, you know, to toxicity and, and cultural rot. And so it, it becomes us as strong men to stand up and create a block around our community, around our software, around our virtual uh, intellectual uh, community and be like, you're not, you're not coming in here anymore. You're, you don't have access to, to my people in my place anymore. So praise God, brothers. Um, I hope you have a wonderful evening further, uh, tomorrow will be on at, uh, 4 PM and, uh, yeah, man, praise God. Things are, it, we're living in, in a, in a fascinating, uh, a fascinating space. You know, it's a, a fascinating energy that, that we're hitting on now in, in the summer up here in the Northern hemisphere. I'm sure your guys winter down in the South, Southern bloody Australians and South Africans, but there's definitely a, a, a speed, a, an acceleration, if you will, um, that, that I'm feeling, you know, so it's exciting. You know, I think we, we're winning lads, you know, you've got to keep your heads up and be like, all right, Lord, like, you know, you put me here for such a time as this, you know, so many times we, when you could get blackpilled of like, man, why do I have to be here in this time and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, you know, turn, turn that around and be like, thank you, God, that I'm here for this time. Thank you, God, that, that you counted me worthy. Uh, to put me in in the the hard times uh, of the en the the engine of history, you know. So praise God, brothers. Uh, remember, reach out to dudes on Twitter. Reach out to dudes and and start making phone calls and emails and uh, and meeting up. You know, it's how we build our tribe. It's how we love our people. It's how we love our place. Go hard in your domain. Go hard in the institution you're part of. Um, and praise the Lord. Love you, boys. See you tomorrow.